What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 71, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus 14 card, headlined by UFC women's flyweight title fight between Valentina Shevchenko and Liz Carmouche. This event takes place in Montevideo, Uruguay, and features 13 fights, all on ESPN+. The first seven fights start at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and the main card kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which features six fights. Headlined by the first UFC title to be contested on ESPN+. So a little bit of an exciting move for the UFC to put Valentina's title on this card. It's a great fight card top to bottom and uh, we're going to dive right into things this week and we are starting in the UFC women's flyweight division with Poliana Viana who is 10-3 taking on Veronica Macedo who is 5-3-1. The opening betting line for this one was Viana the favorite at minus 170 Macedo plus 130. Right now we are seeing Viana, the underdog, now at plus 110, and Macedo is the favorite at minus 130. So the line has flipped, and I tell you that I am shocked by this line movement, to be honest. Neither of these women are very high level. They're both coming off of a few losses, I believe. Uh, Viana lost to Aldrich and Cyphers in decisions, and Veronica Macedo lost to Andrea Lee to Ashley Evans-Smith, and to Jillian Robertson. So I believe that Macedo has fought a little bit better of the competition in her losses, and she has really dealt with a lot of strong grapplers, and she has struggled with takedown defense and submission defense, and she's pretty solid defensively on the ground, and she's just running into a lot of highly skilled uh, female grapplers like Andrea Lee and uh, Jillian Robertson in her last fight. And unfortunately for her, she's facing another grappler in this fight in Poliana Viana. But Viana is not as high caliber as those last few females who I mentioned. Viana is mostly a jiu-jitsu girl herself. She has some decent kickboxing to go along with it. She mostly pulls guard to get her fights to the floor. And even when she gets you to the floor, she isn't um, that lethal on the ground. She does have good submissions and has, I believe, gotten one or two in the UFC so far. But uh, it's not an uh, end-all, be-all for uh, Macedo if she gets down to the mat in this one. I think that she has a great chance at getting up from the takedowns or escaping the p- uh, positions or submissions and making this a kickboxing fight. And that's going to be close because Macedo comes from a taekwondo background. She's got very good head kicks she's not the best at boxing range but she is very crafty on the feet and Viana is not too bad on the feet either her boxing defense is pretty bad she pulls her head straight back in a, in a center line and that's really bad and she that's why she got boxed up versus uh, Hannah Cyphers in her last fight and she was just uh, outpaced and outvolumed in rounds one and three of that fight and uh, lost the decision uh, it was a great performance from Cyphers but Viana ultimately uh, lost the fight in a close one there so uh, it should be a very close kickboxing fight on the feet but I think that with the takedowns of Viana and the guard pulls and the submission threats I think that she has has a good chance at mixing it up and uh, winning this fight on the scorecards it'll be close on the feet it'll be close on the ground it will really be a competitive back and forth fight and i see why people jumped in on the early action on macedo as that plus 150 dog but right now i would no way bet macedo as a favorite it's kind of a dog or pass situation so 
I would be more inclined to bet Viana where it's at right now, not only because she's the dog currently, but because I think that I uh, I rate her chances of winning the fight higher. So the pick is going to be Viana to mix it up with the takedowns, uh, the submission threat, the guard pulls, and uh, ultimately edge these uh, very close kickboxing uh, exchanges in this fight for a close 29-28 decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Gilbert Burns, who is 15-3, taking on Alexei Konchenko, who is 20-0. The betting line for this one opened up at minus 184 Konchenko, Burns plus 140. Right now we are seeing Konchenko minus 140, Burns plus 120. So the line has stayed just about the same. Uh, action coming in on two ways uh, for this fight. It, it's at, the line's actually been bouncing all over the place. Burns was the favorite at one point, and it's a really close matchup. It is Gilbert Burns' welterweight debut, and he is coming in here on short notice. Uh, I, I forget who Konchenko was supposed to fight, but Burns hopped in here on, on short notice, and it's a good matchup for him. I think that Burns uh, probably heard about the, the, the spot being opened up, and watched some tape on Konchenko, said, I, I think I can beat this guy, and decided to uh, book his ticket down to Uruguay and uh, fight Konchenko in this matchup. And that's a tall task because Konchenko is undefeated at 20 0. He is, uh, was really dominant on the Russian scene, the M1, the ACB scene before he came to the UFC. Has looked pretty lackluster in the UFC so far. He was uh, out kickboxed by Tiago Alves in Russia last September and was fortunately given a hometown decision in that one uh, he struggled with the leg kicks and the boxing of Tiago and he's just not a very high output striker on the feet although he is very technical he's good defensively he just doesn't throw enough and that is kind of uh, a detriment to him at some times his one win was over uh, Yushin Okami was a great performance uh, he stuffed all the takedowns of that fight and was able to keep the fight standing and uh, out kickbox uh, Okami but again, didn't really show off his high arsenal of skills, didn't really put a high pace on uh, Okami, and Okami is uh, on the way out, and Burns is a much, much more capable fighter than uh, Okami or Alves at this point in their career, so it's going to be a whole different matchup for Konchenko than what he's been used to in the UFC so far, and that's why I'm leaning Burns in this spot, even though he's making his uh, short-notice welterweight debut, I just like the way Burns fights. He fights very aggressive. He tries to finish you. He has power in both hands. He's got good boxing. He's dropped opponents uh, with uh, right hands and left hands, and he's got good takedowns. He sets up his takedowns well, and when he gets you to the mat, he is a world-class grappler. He competes in jiu-jitsu very actively uh, when he's not uh, fighting. He is a world-class jiu-jitsu black belt, and he's got a ton of submissions in the UFC, outgrappled a lot of high-level guys. And if he's able to uh, get past that great takedown defense of Konchenko, then he should be able to have his way with Konchenko once he gets to the mat. But it's going to be a tall task getting past that takedown defense, and Burns is going to have to set up the takedowns with punches and kicks in order to, to get Konchenko to the ground because Konchenko's defensive grappling is, is top-notch. So it'll be a really close fight if the if Burns cannot get the takedowns. It will be a kickboxing match, and even though Konchenko does have the better uh, technique of the two and he's, he fights a little more calculated, a little more defensively, he, I just struggle to believe that he can win a decision versus Burns with his low output that he has shown. He's he's shown to 
turn it up in rounds three of fights before like he did versus Alves he was really getting outstruck rounds one and two versus Alves turned his output up in round three and he won the round but he just doesn't do that very often maybe this will be a coming out party for Konchenko and he will stuff takedowns and outstrike Burns possibly even knock Burns out and, and send him back down to lightweight but that would really surprise me and what I've seen from the guys lately uh, Burns has looked really good he picked up that runic choke over Mike Davis he dominated OAM showing great power great boxing takedowns top control in that fight I really think Burns is in his prime Konchenko came into the UFC a little bit late I believe he's around 34 years old and I think that the age could be getting up to him he might have, his best years might have been behind him back in the M1 global days so I could be underestimating Konchenko a little bit even though I've rated him pretty highly in his UFC career so far but uh, I'm picking my man Gilbert Burns to get this one done I'm gonna go with uh, him getting it done inside the distance I think the guy will find a way to get it done maybe uh, catch the chin of Konchenko and uh, put him out or maybe take him down take his back and get a choke of some sort so uh, i i believe in burns and i'm gonna pick him and i already have uh, one unit on him at plus 120 so uh, might add more if the line keeps trending in his direction uh, maybe look to, to bet on his inside the distance line but i'm picking burns in this spot the next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have alex da silva who is 20 and 2 taking on Rodrigo Vargas, who is 11-2. The opening betting line for this one was Da Silva minus 245, Vargas plus 175. Right now we are seeing Da Silva minus 280, Vargas plus 240. I'm going to slightly disagree with the line movement in this one. Although I agree that Da Silva should be the favorite, I think the where that it's at right now is a little bit wide because both of these guys are relatively unproven and even though they have a lot of uh, MMA experience, De Silva has made his UFC debut already. This is Vargas's debut. It's really hard to get a feel on where these guys are at and Vargas specifically because there's not much footage of him online. He has fought some pretty good competition over at Combat Combatis America, uh, a good promotion in South America, but very little footage of him online, so uh, I will share my thoughts with him, but I'm just giving you guys a warning. This is a hard fight to pick because there's a lot unknown about this fight. So Vargas is primarily a kickboxer. He fights from the southpaw stance, and he's coming off of a 17-second head kick knockout in his last fight so he's coming off that uh, great victory and that's probably why he why he got signed to the UFC but he also has lost pretty recently to an opponent named El Adipo and I watched that fight and I honestly don't think it should be a loss because I think he won rounds one and two of that fight uh, he did start to gas out and get taken down in the third round of that fight but I still think he won the first two rounds uh, he was able to get back up off of his feet a few times after he got taken down by uh, El Adipo, but for the most part, he struggled with the grappling and the top pressure, and he just wasn't landing very clean, hard shots on the feet to distinctly win the rounds, and that's why he lost that decision uh, from the judges there, but he was very gassed out in that fight. Uh, about halfway through the second round, he was gassed out. He did keep, fight, keep fighting for the last 15 minutes, so it was impressive, and he, like I said, did. I think he won the fight, but uh, it was very worrisome uh, cardio performance and his takedown defense is definitely something to uh, be wary about in this matchup. And he has shown glimpses uh, of offensive takedowns and top pressure and even some knockout power on the feet, but nothing really consistent enough. And uh, with the, the issue, again, of not having much footage on Vargas, it's really hard to get a solid read on the guy. 
And even though his opponent, Alex Da Silva, has fought in the UFC, it's hard to get a read on him as well because he really had a bad performance, I think, in his debut versus uh, Alex Yakalaev over in Russia back in April. And in that fight, he was going for takedowns like relentlessly, but they were really poor uh, efforts. He was just pushing Yakalaev against the cage and holding on to the legs, but he wasn't really committing to many takedowns. He didn't get deep on uh, any shots and was kind of just chilling against the cage, waiting for something to happen and two rounds into that fight something finally happened and he got his neck caught in a guillotine and he tapped out so it was a really weird performance from De Silva I believe he won round one of that fight he was able to get a takedown uh, reverse a takedown of Yakalaev and get his own takedown and he had top position and he he made a bad mistake on the ground he he was in us um the uh, Yakalaev was in the turtle position and he allowed Silva allowed him to grab one of his legs and turn it into a single leg and it reversed the position so uh, Silva is a, a fairly decent well-rounded fighter he can hit t- takedowns he has a uh, burst of offense on the feet and he can get some good submissions as well he just doesn't really thrive in one area so it's kind of hard for uh, to get a plan on what his game plan is going to be because I thought he would have the striking edge versus Yakalaev. Uh, and the grappling would be really close in that fight and he wanted to grapple the entire time he didn't even look to uh to strike much in that fight and because the guy's got good kicks he he's got a bit of power on the feet and uh, he has knockout victories before he has been dropped before uh by daniel swain but he came back right away and got the finish himself in that fight so uh, i think silva is the uh the more tested guy i think he's the better overall fighter um but he also does make a lot of mistakes and he doesn't seem to have a good uh you know game plan when it comes to to coming into these fights because he fought pretty dumb against Yakalaev, a guy coming off of a two and a half year layoff and he had a bad performance in that fight you know it could have been octagon jitters and he could uh, look a lot better in this fight and take out the the debutante in vargas but it's a tough fight to pick i'm gonna pick uh alex da silva to get it done uh by submission uh I think uh, the the takedown defense of Vargas won't hold up, and uh, De Silva will be uh, crafty enough to snatch a submission on the ground. But not a very confident pick at all. I'm I'm slightly confident that De, uh, De Silva will win the fight. I'd probably cap him at around minus 200. But where the line is at now, with him being minus 255 or whatever, it's it's a little steep, and I think that uh, it's probably a dog or pass situation at at these odds. So uh, the pick is going to be Silva. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Geraldo De Freitas, who is 12-4, taking on Chris Gutierrez, who is 13-3-1. The opening betting line for this one was Gutierrez, the minus 190 favorite, De Freitas at plus 150. Right now we are seeing the line flip, De Freitas minus 140, Gutierrez plus 120. Another line movement that I'm quite shocked in. Gutierrez opening up as the minus 190 favorite. Whoever set that line was spot on. And now the public has come in on Geraldo De Freitas super, super heavy the past couple days uh, and weeks, really. Money's been steadily coming in on De Freitas uh, since the line came out. And I really don't get that. I think that Gutierrez uh, drew a real tough opponent in Heoni uh, Barcelos in his UFC debut. He got taken down in that fight and eventually submitted, but he showed that he could. He belonged in the UFC in that fight. He he was tough. He was uh, hard to finish. He landed some good elbows from the bottom and cut Barcelos pretty bad in that fight. And 
he did have a second fight in the UFC, and he picked up a very good win. It was over uh, McDonald, who was in the highest level opponent, but he really got to show off his high arsenal of skills in that fight, and he's a great kickboxer. He's got good leg kicks. He'll go to the calf, to the leg, the oblique. He really mixes up leg kicks really well. He also has some decent boxing to go along with it, and really the only area that he has uh, struggled in is takedown defense, and I think he's improving that, honestly. I think that his get-ups are getting better, and he can threaten with a submission off of his back. He did that versus McDonald. He can throw some solid elbows in the bottom, so he's got some ways to deal with the takedown, even though his wrestling is not the best. Now, his opponent in this one is Geraldo de Freitas, and he picked up a decent victory over Kolaris in his last fight, and a few weeks ago, we thought that win meant nothing because Kolaris looked pretty bad in that fight, but Kolaris actually had a pretty decent second showing in the UFC, so that actually rose the stock of de Freitas a little bit. He shows him uh, some decent striking in that fight. It, it's a bit sloppy, but it was effective versus Kolaris. He was hurting Kolaris on the feet with his punches pretty often, but he kept going for takedowns, and I think he used some silly excuse like he wanted to show off his full arsenal of MMA or something like that, but uh, Michael Bisping was yelling at Defratis like what are you doing Defratis uh you've got him hurt and you're going for the takedown so who knows what the the game plan of Defratis in that one was uh he wasn't dominant on the ground Kolaris was able to get back up to his feet uh he was able to uh, stuff some takedowns, and uh, DeFreitas really just, uh, he won the fight pretty decisively, but it was really just a bad performance from Kolaris. Uh, DeFreitas showed some decent takedowns, and uh, like I said, decent striking, but overall, I don't rate the guy too highly. So in this matchup, on the feet, I give the edge to Gutierrez. I think he has uh, the way cleaner, faster uh, technique. I think he's got the better defense. He His kicks will provide a lot of problems for DeFreitas. I don't see Defratis being able to uh, to deal with the the leg kicks. Uh, Defratis is probably going to be looking to get the takedown on Gutierrez because Gutierrez has shown the takedown defense to be a bit of an issue so far in his career. But with Gutierrez also knowing it that it's an issue, I expect him to be improving it. I expect him to be able to deal with the takedowns of Defratis, get back up to his feet, threaten with the submission, throw some elbows in the bottom, do whatever he has to do to get back to his feet because I've not been impressed with Defratis' top pressure or his submission threat, although his takedowns are, are pretty decent and he sets them up uh, well as well. So it, it should be a close fight. Uh, if DeFreitas is able to constantly get takedowns and keep Gutierrez on his back for long periods of time, he will probably get the scorecards in this one. But I, I expect Gutierrez to stuff the shots, to get back to his feet, and to clearly outstrike DeFreitas on the feet. So I'm picking where the dog is at in this spot right now. I got two units on Chris Gutierrez at plus 120, and it looks like the line might even get a little bit higher. It could be still trending in uh, DeFreitas' direction. I really don't get that line movement at all. Uh, I think Gutierrez has shown the better technique in the UFC so far. I, I really don't understand where this money is coming in. So uh, could be way off on the read in this one, but I'm actually pretty confident in the underdog, Cruz Gutierrez. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Julian Paiva, who is 18-2, taking on Hojirio Bontarin, who is 15-1. The opening betting line for this one was... Bontran minus 135, Paiva minus 105. And right now we are seeing Paiva minus 120, 
Bontrin plus 100. So this line has kind of bounced all over the place. There's two-way action on this fight. Pive actually got as high as plus 135 at one point. But in the past few days, uh, a ton of action has come in on him. And he's now the favorite at minus 120. So uh, I agree with the line movement in this one. I think that where the opener was set around evens is is about right. And at Pive at plus 135, that is huge value. So congrats to all the betters who snatched that lineup. It wasn't there for long, but some sharps definitely hit it. So this is a really close matchup. I was really impressed with both of these guys' UFC debut. I think they actually made it on the same card. And they both picked up uh, victories against uh, guys who were already winning in the UFC. And uh, in Bontarin's case, he picked up a, a great decision uh, over Magomed Bibulatov and... Paiva picked up a good. Uh, oh wait, he didn't win. He didn't win the fight on the official scorecards versus Kai Car France. But uh, between you and me, he won that fight. He won. Uh, I think rounds one and two of that fight, uh, and even the third round was really close. Uh, I think I edged the third to Kai Car France, but Paiva, I believe, won the first two rounds. Uh, and both of these guys showed incredible defensive grappling in their first two fights uh, their takedown defense their cardio their get-ups they're both uh, incredible on in defending takedowns staying off their backs creating space threatening them with submissions i was just blown away because uh, if you know me and you listen to the podcast often you will know how uh, i how impressive uh, i think takedown defense is and it's the hardest part about mma it's where the most guys struggle it's the one of the hardest things to learn it's a grinding type of fight when you are defending takedowns and i really really respect guys who put that effort in and uh, perfect their takedown defense that being said this should be a lot different of a matchup than both of their first and only ufc fights so far so both of them were really defensing or defending most of their last fight and they both did get off some offense eventually once the the fight was on the feet uh and they both look pretty solid in the, the kickboxing aspect of things i would say that uh, paiva is the better kickboxer of the two uh, i believe his, his, he uses his reach a little bit longer he's going to have a i think a three or four inch height and reach advantage over bontran in this one i expect bontran for to be the one going for the takedowns in this one but they're both takedown defenses are just so great it's going to be hard to believe that uh, they both can control each other on the ground because they're go both so good at scrambling i would say that bontarin is the better submission artist of the two and paiva is the better striker of the two so it really depends on where this fight takes place if bontarin chases those offensive takedowns and uh, puts paiva on his back and maybe paiva makes a mistake trying to bounce back up to his feet and bontarin can take his back because he took Bibulatov's back a lot in that fight and it, it was just such so so impressive the way he came in here on his debut and uh, he Bontarin has been dropped before he got dropped in the overhand right versus Gabriel in round two of that fight and he was out on his feet for a minute straight like he didn't know where he was but he still got the takedowns uh, two takedowns for that matter and got the rear naked choke uh, about 90 seconds after he was on queer street from that overhand right so the dude is is really good on the ground he's got good wrestling uh, he's got i've gone on and on about his takedown defense i don't have to mention that too much more but they both have great cardio good pace bontran was in biblatov's face the entire fight and just out striking him uh, more and more as the fight went on and paiva really was getting up from the takedowns of kaikar france and out striking him early in that fight to get rounds one and two so 
really impressed with both of these guys can't wait for this fight i hope that we see some grappling from the two of them because the flyweights are just so quick and fast on the ground and so technical as well it's really uh, one of the greatest weight classes in mma so i'm expecting a good fight in this one i think the Piva is able to uh, get up from the takedowns avoid the submission of Bontarin, and he will be the more effective striker of the two so i'm going to lean Piva to pull off the decision in this one and i got one unit on Piva at minus one 101. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We got Tisha Torres, who is 10 and 4, taking on Marina Rodriguez, who is 11 0 and 1. The opening betting line for this one was Torres, the favorite, at minus 155, Rodriguez, the dog, at plus 115. Right now, we are seeing Torres minus 165, Rodriguez plus 145. So the line staying just about the same. Um, more action coming in on Torres's way. Uh, some people have been coming back on Rodriguez as well, and it is a close matchup. Um, I think that most of this fight will play out in the clinch. That's where both of the w these women like to do most of their work. But they have a big difference in style of clinching. Torres likes to uh, kind of muscle in the clinch, although she's pretty technical in there as well. Uh, she really uses her strength uh, and her underhooks to push you up against the cage, land uh, strikes in like kind of unconventional clinch strikes. She likes landing a lot of strikes on the break when she's breaking. She'll throw hard elbows over the top and uh, you know hard powerful punches as well. I think she throws with a little more power than her opponent Rodriguez. But Rodriguez comes from a Muay Thai background and she's very technical in the clinch. Also has great elbows, great knees. The more traditional clinch of the two. But with Rodriguez having that lankier frame and Torres being shorter and muscular, I think that Torres has a chance at outmuscling her in the clinch and negating that slight technical advantage in the clinch that Rodriguez has. At range in this one, I think that Rodriguez will be the much more effective striker because Torres does have uh, some effective boxing when she is pressuring you and coming forward. Although it's not the most technical boxing, it's actually not very technical at all, but it's effective because she marches forward like a bulldog and she's got some uh, very uh, strong strong muscles behind her. So it's, it's hard to stop Torres at some times. But Rodriguez will be the more effective striker of the two. She's got that uh, great kicking game. She's got some solid uh, punches to go along with it, mostly straight punches. But I just don't see her having the power in her punches to keep Tisha Torres from nonstop uh, aggressing forward and pressuring Rodriguez. So I'm f slightly favoring Torres in this fight. I think that Rodriguez could win the clinch battles and uh, start to hurt Torres, maybe cut her with an elbow, and then really turn the tides of this fight and make Torres uh, question her game plan. You know, if she was planning to clinch this whole fight and push her up against the cage, all of a sudden now she can't do that. She might uh, not have a plan B and she might lose the fight. But I expect Torres's pressure to wear down on Rodriguez. Uh, I expect uh, Torres to maybe mix in a takedown or two uh, because. Because Rodriguez has been taken down before. She got taken down by Rodriguez, or excuse me, by uh, Rana Marcos. Uh, she was actually 10 8 in round one of that fight, but 
came back in rounds two and three and uh, was able to stuff the takedowns and outstrike Marcos. She did get taken down in round three by a real gassed out Marcos. So her takedown defense is really not good. But her, her get-ups, uh, once she gets off her, uh, on the ground, aren't terrible. Um, she was able to get up off of her feet in round three. But again, that was a versus a gassed Marcos. In round one versus Marcos, she couldn't get up. And, and Tisha Torres has great round one. She was able to beat Andrade in round one. And she uh, was really competitive versus Weili Zhang. And she uh, actually lost pretty soundly to Ioana Janjacek. Her takedowns were all stuffed in that fight. But I think the Torres will be pressuring Rodriguez. She will be landing some hard strikes in the clinch and on the break from the clinch. I think that she has a good chance at mixing in a takedown, getting some top pressure, landing some ground to pound as well. So I am picking Torres to win this one by decision. However, it would not surprise me if we were seeing a little bit of the passing of the torch. Uh, even though Torres... Torres is coming off of three losses, and I think that she is still a very uh, um, capable fighter. I could be wrong, and she could be fading, and we could see Rodriguez uh, come in here as the, the the new young gun and to take Torres's place, but that would surprise me a little bit. I still think Torres has got a little bit left in the tank, and I'm going to pick her to win this one by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Cyril Gain who is 3-0, taking on Rafael Pessoa, who is 9-0. The opening betting line for this one was gain minus 380, Pessoa plus 260. Right now we are seeing gain minus 420, Pessoa plus 335. So not sure if it's gain or gone. My French is not very good, but regardless, we got two UFC debutants in this one. Both guys having their first fight in the UFC, uh, and they have both looked pretty good on tape so far. I'd say that Gain has been the much more impressive of the two, and I don't think that anybody out there will dispute that. This dude is an insane athlete. He is uh, a very you know, slim, lean heavyweight because the dude is just 245 pounds worth of muscle. This guy does train with Francis Ngannou, so I would not be too surprised if he is eating his Flintstone vitamins. And even though he only has three professional MMA fights, all three of them have been scheduled for the five five-minute rounds. They were title fights in the TKO promotion up in Canada, and he only has about 20 minutes worth of fight time. And he fights, you know, a bit wild. You know, he's going to be wild for being 3-0. and But at the same time, as, as silly as it sounds, he fights very composed because... He does have that that amateur back or that kickboxing background, so he does have good roots in his striking. But you can see him get a little crazy in there sometimes. He's not quite used to being in the cage, and he has not ever fought past round three, so his cardio is is kind of unknown. He he looked to be slowing down a little bit in the his fight that went uh, into the second round, but he was able to finish up his opponent in that second round, and that was an absolute slaughter his that fight uh let me fit, figure out the gentleman's name because uh adam deitschka absolute tough motherfucker he took some of the most punishment i've ever seen a fighter take in mma before getting knocked out he lasted so so much longer than he should have he should have been knocked out by the first couple punches and, and knees to the body but this dude was tough and i don't know really what to think of that performance he was a big fat guy so he could take the shots to the stomach and he did have a chin on him but you know, I was kind of shocked that Gain couldn't finish him. I don't know if the dude doesn't really have power. It seems like he does. Like, he throws his shots so hard, and he's got clean technique, and he's uh, knocked out, or he's actually choked out one of his opponents, too. He choked him out with a, a front choke, um, a 10-finger choke. It's not on his his, uh, his topology page, but I swear he did it. Um, 
Now, getting over to Pessoa, he's also uh, been a pretty impressive striker. There's not very much footage of him online. Like, most of his fights are, like, some guy filming from his phone in the crowd or something like that. You got to go through that with some of these fighters making their debuts. But he's fought the way lower uh, competition of the two. And he landed some good uh, heavy leg kicks in his last fight. He looks pretty skilled in the clinch. Uh, good knees and elbows. I'm sure he comes from a Muay Thai background as well. Uh, but he has been pushed against the cage before. He has... Uh, been you know kind of stalled out against the cage luckily the referee broke them up and he was able to knock his opponent out shortly after so he is undefeated um, he it's really un, uh, hard to get a good feel on the guy because there is uh, not much footage of him online but I have not really seen much offensive grappling from Pessoa I haven't seen any actually I have seen Gain hit a takedown after he hurt one of his opponents and he did get that uh, that 10 finger choke uh, in one of his uh, first fights as well so I'd say that the more likely of the two to grapple would be uh, Gain and I think on the feet Gain will be the much cleaner and the, the more effective striker he'll be landing the harder cleaner shots he will probably be touching the chin of Pessoa and Pessoa is probably going to get knocked out pretty early in this fight but um, where the where the betting line is at right now it's definitely dog or pass you know it's gain, gain is although he's looked great minus 450 is a little ridiculous Pessoa at plus 335 is a pretty uh, good value bet there and the going the distance at plus 450 is also a pretty good value bet because although these guys are heavy hitters, they're heavyweights coming in on their debuts, they've had a lot of knockouts, it's unlikely they go to the decision. Uh, I disagree that it's plus 450 because I think that uh, both of these guys in, their, in their, their tape, they've been hitting dudes with clean, hard shots, and those guys just don't go down. I don't know if he fought some crazy uh, chin guys in the past by random luck, but uh, they, the, neither of these guys have insane power for heavyweight. They do have clean technique and good boxing and everything, but not insane power. So it wouldn't completely shock me for these guys to be a little tentative and for them to go to their decision in their UFC debuts. But the pick is going to be gain, and I think he gets it done by knockout in the first round. The next fight on the main card takes place in the featherweight division. We have Enrique Barzola, who is 15-4-1, taking on Bobby Moffitt, who is 14-4. The opening betting line for this one was Barzola, the favorite, at minus 230, Moffitt plus 170. Right now, we are seeing line margins tightening up with Barzola at minus 130, Moffitt at plus 110, so a lot of action coming in on Moffitt, and rightfully so. I think I actually placed a small bet on him a few weeks ago when I saw him open up at plus 170. Kind of just jumped off the page because this is a wrestler versus wrestler matchup, and it's going to be a close one because I think that Moffat has good takedown defense. He's got great submissions on the ground, and I think he has what it takes to stuff the takedowns of Barzola because with Barzola, you know you're getting relentless takedowns. He's going to be stringing together takedowns like crazy. He's going to be attempting 10, 15 takedowns this fight, and Bobby Moffat has to be prepared for a long night at the office. He's going to be prepared for a long, grueling fight, but I think he can do it. 
He comes from that wrestling background himself. He's got great offensive and defensive wrestling. He fought Chaskelly in his UFC debut, a wrestler. And he took on Bryce Mitchell in his second fight, who's also got great uh, wrestling and grappling as well. That was really a back-and-forth fight with Mitchell, and he, he did lose that fight. But it was close. It, it was really close, and it was kind of a, a sloppy fight from the two of them. I think they're both uh, really good fighters, and they didn't really get to show off how clean their technique is in that fight because it was so uh, back-and-forth but um, he got his back taken versus Skelly. He was able to defend that. He was able to reverse position in Mitchell a lot, and he got top position versus him. The real reason why he lost that Mitchell fight, I think, is because he chased the submission. He's got a lot of submissions on his record. He's got great Darce chokes, and he really wanted to finish Mitchell in that fight. If he would have rode out top position and tried landing ground and pound and keep in the position, instead of chasing those risky submissions, he probably wins that fight. But he went for the finish, and he eventually lost position a lot of times. And I think he's actually admitted that he made that mistake so i think that he will come into this fight a lot smarter he will uh, you know maybe not go for that dark joke on barzola and instead just be uh, content to defend the takedown to stay in top position and to not lose position going for uh, that submission on the feet, I think that Barzola is actually the cleaner striker. I've really not been impressed with what I've seen from Moffat on the feet so far. Um, and Barzola, although he's not the best, he can be effective when he's pressuring you. The dude's got insane pressure and cardio. He can go at you for three rounds straight, even if he's losing. That fight versus Kevin Aguilar, he lost the first two rounds clearly. He got... 10 of his takedowns stuffed and was getting outboxed and in the third round he kept pressuring Aguilar and he eventually uh, started getting into boxing range and he started boxing Aguilar up and the pressure wore on him the 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 pace that he puts on his opponents is is incredible so if Moffat's cardio is not up to par and he is uh, maybe up two rounds and decides to coast in round three or something like that he could possibly get knocked out um, because even though Barzola doesn't have good power he could just swarm on a, a barrage of punches with his pace and possibly finish Moffat in the third so uh, it's a really close fight I think that uh, all the people who got in on Moffat at plus 130 or above uh, were on the value side of things where it's at now I don't think there's too much value left uh, I'm gonna pick Moffat to get it done uh, it, it's not a confident pick though because it will come down to the scorecards. I think this one is destined to go to the decision. It's going to be a close fight. Uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, takedown defense and uh, possible submission attempts. And it's really going to come down now to if Moffat can defend the takedowns and stay off his back. And I think that even if he does, does get taken down, he should be able to bounce back up to his feet and he should. Uh, uh, maybe be able to get it back at striking range or maybe possibly he could win the fight but um barzola's pressure and pace is just not going to stop so even if he takes you down and let you get back up he's he'll drag you back down and he'll keep doing that for two three rounds and he won't get tired so it's going to be hard to defeat barzola on the scorecards without stuffing all his takedowns and clearly outstriking them the first couple rounds like aguilar did so this is a really close fight and i'm really I really pick fights based on the price a lot of the time, and early on, I was probably picking Moffitt to win at when he was the plus 130 or plus 170 above, but realistically now, I think that the value of things is on uh, Barzola. I think that even if Moffitt is able to 
get up from the takedowns to stuff shots. It's just I can't trust his striking to be effective enough to outstrike Barzola because he's not the better striker of the two. And Barzola is not going to uh, take a step backwards. He's going to keep coming forward. I don't see Moffat having the power to stop him. So it's going to be hard to defeat Barzola in this matchup. Maybe uh, Moffat can snatch his neck uh, in a, coming in for a sloppy takedown. I'd say that's Moffat's probably best chance in this fight is to get the submission uh, because Barzola is tough as nails. He's hard to finish with punches of course and he's hard to beat on the scorecards as well so the pick is going to be Barzola by decision would not be totally shocked by a Moffat decision or submission but I'm gonna lean with the favorite uh, at this price and go with Barzola by decision the next fight takes place in the middleweight division we have Oscar Pachota, who is 11-1-1 taken on Rodolfo Vieira who is 5-0 the opening betting line for this one was Rodolfo Vieira minus 300, Oscar Pachota plus 220. Right now we are seeing Vieira minus 245, Pachota plus 205. So more action coming in Pachota's way, although there's been two-way action coming in on this fight. Uh, Vieira actually got around minus 170 at one point, and that's when I locked in a 1.7 unit bet on him at that price. It's actually the best price that he's been so far, so I got in uh, on the action at just at the right time. And I'm really picking Vieira uh, because of how great his... Uh, grappling is this guy is when i say world-class grappler a lot i say that because there are a lot of high level black belts in the ufc but this guy is an adcc gold medal champion in 2015 at 99 kilograms and that's like 215 pounds and he's fighting this fight at 30 pounds below that so if you don't know what adcc is it's the abu dhabi um grappling championships it takes place in abu dhabi every year it's the highest level nogi grappling tournament in the entire world and Vieira won it at a, a weight class 30 pounds heavier than what he's fighting at this weekend so based on that fact alone it sounds good to to pick Vieira in this spot and when you learn that Petroda, although he is a good grappler of his own he's just i don't think he's going to be able to stop the the grappling and the submissions of Vieira in this one uh Pichota actually lost his last fight to Gerald Mearshart. He was taking down Mearshart early. He was all over him on the ground. He was dropping him with punches. Although his striking is a bit wild, it was still effective enough to uh, outstrike Mearshart. But in round two, he got taken down. He was giving up his back a lot. He almost got guillotined. He was getting smashed with punches against the feet. He was uh, he was completely out on his feet didn't know where he was and he got dragged down to the canvas and choked out unconscious the referee could have stopped it when he was getting lit up with punches but this guy wanted to see blood he gm3 dragged him down and choked him out unconscious which gm3 is really known for in these days uh, so if gm3 was able to do that to him if pachota gassed out in rounds uh two of that fight uh, i see Vieira being able to do that to him as well now i'm kind of mma math in it but when this guy is a gold medal adcc champ it you really can mma math things because pachota's grappling defense is just not going to be good enough to compete with Vieira's. um we have seen some some rarities like uh Davi Hamos's last fight, who is another ADC gold medal champ who just did not submit his opponent despite dominating him on the ground. But I think Vieira coming in here on making his UFC debut, he's going to come uh, and make a statement. He's going to get the submission over Pachota. Now, if Pachota is somehow able to, uh, to defend the takedowns of Vieira, 
he should be the better striker of the two on the feed. He's got the more MMA experience. He actually, I think, should be definitely the better striker. He's just got the better technique. He spent longer training it. Uh, Vieira is pretty basic on the feed. He throws a, a big right hand. He can set up his takedowns with punches before we have seen that. But once he gets to the ground, crazy top pressure, crazy submissions, great ground and pound as well. Sets up the takedowns with the ground and pound. So I think that if Vieira is able to get uh, Pachota down to the mat, it's a wrap. If he's not able to get him down to the mat, then Pachota has a good chance at actually spoiling the debut of Vieira and knocking him out uh, because the t- the cardio of Vieira is really unknown. I, I don't believe that he has uh, fought the distance yet, and that'll be a, a, a first for him if, you have to, if he has to have a, a really tough fight, and Pachota is maybe game on the ground to defend a little bit and make it a tough fight, but I don't see that happening. I see Vieira, Vieira getting that early takedown and making a statement with that submission win Probably in the first round. So the pick is going to be Vieira by sub. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Volkan Ozdemir, who is 15-4, taking on Ira Latifi, who is 14-6. The opening betting line for this one was Ozdemir minus 165, Latifi plus 125. Right now we are seeing Ozdemir minus 150, Latifi plus 130. So two-way action coming in on this fight. This fight was supposed to happen a few months back, but Latifi was forced to pull out during fight week because he had a back injury of some sorts, and I think that's been a kind of a nagging problem for him throughout his career, so uh, interesting thought to think about coming into this matchup, whether that could be a factor or not, so uh, we'll analyze the fight as if it's a non-factor, and uh, starting things off with Latifi, he is a you know, very short, stocky dude for the weight class. He's kind of a tricky fighter, though, because he throws heavy strikes. He's got power in both of his hands. He throws real heavy leg kicks. He's got a solid wrestling base, and he's picked up some good wins in the light heavyweight division over his career, uh, most notably OSP. But that was his most recent win, and that was about a year and a half ago. Since then, he lost a decision to Corey Anderson, where he was landing some good punches in round one of that fight. Looked like looked like maybe he was going to knock Anderson out, but when Anderson was eating those punches and still there in round two, Latifi started to gas out a little bit. He couldn't uh, get his takedowns going. All of his shots were getting stuffed by Anderson, and Latifi ultimately lost rounds two and three of that fight for the decision. So... Latifi really doesn't have the the style, uh, or you know, because he's so muscular and, and stocky that it's hard for him to have that type of wrestling style for uh, three rounds straight. His cardio just won't allow him to do that, and. He's fighting a guy in Ozdemir who has had cardio issues himself because he's a very fast starter. He likes to try to knock you out early with his uh, sloppy and wild boxing. He throws with some ill intent, though. He's definitely uh, has some power in his hands. He got those two knockouts versus uh, Manawa and Sarkunov a couple years back. And ever since then, I think his power has been massively overrated. Like his, plus, his KO line right now is plus 165, which is just way too low for him i mean it should be like plus four or five hundred honestly latifi's got a good chin he's hard to finish and i don't see ozimir doing it so it's his power has been really overrated and he was outstriking smith early he ended up in top position versus smith in round two wasn't able to do anything with it he gassed out in round three got taken down and choked out uh versus dc he got taken down in round two after having some early success and uh finished with ground and pound in that one he lost the Reyes fight, and which was a very controversial decision, but uh, I remember Reyes actually winning that fight. I thought that uh, 
Reyes won rounds one and three. Uh, Ozmir did land some takedowns in round one, but he didn't really do anything with the takedowns. He kind of just landed them and held on to position while I thought Reyes landed the more effective strikes in round one, and Reyes definitely won round three. I mean, Ozmir was totally gassed out in round three. So um, I don't really see where the controversy comes in that one. It was a close decision, but uh, it could have gone either way, and it went to Reyes. So it's it, not really a robbery by any means. And uh, it, But Ozdemir showed that he can mix things up a little bit. He showed that he can hit offensive takedowns, and he has a little bit more to his game that he's looking to show off. He's really just got to get his cardio in check. And it should be a really close fight in this one because on the feet, uh, they both have a lot of power. They both throw pretty recklessly. We could see these guys you know, touch each other's chin and possibly see an early knockout, but I think this one's actually really destined to go to the scorecards. It should be close for the first two rounds, and round three, I expect both of these guys to gas out, so it really comes down to how the striking goes in this one. I think that uh, Ozdemir's range could be a problem for Latifi because Latifi kind of just throws big bombs and doesn't really have a jab or any anything to set up the uh, to getting into boxing range. So if Ozdemir's straight punches are on point, he could be jabbing Latifi up and uh, keeping him at range, stuffing the takedowns to Latifi, possibly getting a knockout or outstriking Latifi to a decision. We could see Latifi maybe land some power punches on Ozdemir and get the takedown, uh, maybe get land some ground to pound, possibly even get a submission on Ozdemir because Ozdemir is super prone to submissions. So it's a close fight to call. Uh, I think the odds are just about right where it's set out now with Latifi coming off that injury. Both Neither guy looking too great lately. Uh, I mean, I'd say Ozdemir has looked better of the two lately because he had that close decision with Reyes while uh, Latifi's really been sidelined for the past uh, year or two um, despite the loss to Anderson. So uh, I'm going to go with Ozdemir. I think that he is the, the, the more uh, capable fighter at this point in his career. I think he's more likely to be in better shape for this one because it's really going to come down to round three. I think it'll be a 29-28 decision for either guy, and I'm going to lean uh, with Ozdemir to get it done. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Humberto Bandene, who is 14-6, taking on Luis Eduardo Garagori, who is 12-0. The opening betting line for this one was... Bandane minus 120, Garagori minus 120. Right now we are seeing Garagori minus 115, Bandane minus 105. So a two-way action coming in on this fight. It's a real close fight to call because Garagori making his UFC debut in this one. Bandane has had, I believe, three fights in the UFC so far. And one of them was a quick knockout over Martin Bravo. He landed a couple nice body kicks. The third one he landed, he set it up to the head, and he knocked Martin Bravo out in about 30 seconds. Uh, versus uh, Gabriel Benitez, he got dropped in the first 10 seconds. He got uh, put on his back, started going for an armbar versus Benitez. It looked pretty deep, but Benitez picked him up, slammed him on his head, and knocked him out. So two quick first-round uh, finishes for Ben in his uh, career. Then he went the full distance with Austin Arnett. And uh, lost that one pretty decisively. It was a decision. He was uh, outstruck on the feet. He showed his cardio. Wasn't up to par. He started to gas out in the later rounds. He was taken down by Arnett. And I really just don't rate Bandanay too highly. And you, the public agrees with that too because he's uh, you know a slight dog right now to Garagori who is making his UFC debut who is not a really high-level fighter. He's fought lower-level competition. There's not much footage of him online, so that leads me to believe that people are really just fading Bandanay in this spot. 
they see a guy with some some submissions on his record in Garagori. He uh, has some pretty good grappling. He has decent t- striking as well. Uh, he's a very well-rounded fighter. So uh, I'm I'm sure he, he deserves to be in the UFC. I think he is a, a Uruguayan-born fighter. So maybe that's why they brought Garagori in. They're trying to give him a favorable matchup with another South American guy in Bandane. So it's going to be a close fight because neither of these guys are very high, uh, high level. And I think that it, it's going to be close no matter where it goes. So uh, Bandane striking is really sloppy. He's got a, a decent left kick, a decent left hand, but his defense is sloppy. His composure is bad. His cardio, his takedown defense, it's all bad. He just has way too many holes in his game. And so based on that fact alone, I think that Garagori is... I'm leaning his way in this fight. I think that he will be competitive enough on the feet with Bandane to to possibly win the scorecards. I think that he will be able to mix in takedowns, uh, use his ground and pound and submissions, and he definitely has the better grappling of the two. So I think that uh, Garagori will be able to to mix up with the striking, the grappling in this one. He's going to have that that hometown crowd behind him. And I really just don't rate uh, Bandane too highly. So I'm going to pick Garagori to get this one done by submission mission and uh let's go with the second round for this one but uh where the betting line is at now i'm passing on money lines for both of these guys you know even though abandon is fade material uh we i don't know garagori is the one to to be able to beat him in this spot because he's untested he's very little footage of him online low level competition doesn't really excel in one area of mma so i'm picking garagori to get the win it's mostly a fade on abandon like the most of the public is doing as well so abandon could be um couldn't have made big improvements fight to fight he's still a young fighter and he trains with some pretty good guys out in peru so uh he couldn't make the necessary improvements and come in here uh, an improved fighter and, and win this matchup but uh, i don't think that's going to happen i think the garagori uh, gets a submission in this one the next fight of the evening is the co-main event in the welterweight division. We have Vincente Luque, who is 16-6-1, taking on Mike Perry, who is 13-4. The opening betting line for this one was Luque, the favorite at minus 195, Perry plus 155. Right now we are seeing Luque minus 230, Perry plus 190. So pretty accurate uh, opening line. Uh, very accurate opening line where it's at now i think it's a little steep in luke's favor i think that perry might be a bit of a dog at plus 190 because perry is tough man he is you know he came into the usc very raw it was mostly boxing and power and didn't have much technique and he's really improved as a fighter he's gone to camp to camp training at a lot of different places made the necessary improvements and he's getting a lot better he still has his flaws he still makes a lot of mistakes in the octagon but uh, I, st- I think he's an improving fighter he's very serious about this uh, as you know he might not have been uh, he was kind of just like a street fighter type of guy when he first came into the ufc and he's really evolved into a, a really well-rounded martial artist so i respect the guy a lot and i'm a big fan of him um he's taking on vincente luque though who is a motherfucking killer this guy is a finisher he's nine and two in the ufc all nine wins have come by submit or have come by finish he's got a lot of submissions mostly knockouts though and both of his fights that have gone to the decision he lost both of them so he's not really the type of guy to win on the scorecards he's the epitome of that actually and he is a really talented fighter on the feet he switches stances a lot a 
although he's mostly orthodox, he likes switching to the southpaw stance to kick a lot. He's got good movement, in and out movement, and his boxing is just really, really solid. Although Perry's got good boxing, I think Luque's is, is actually much better. He's got fast hands. Uh, he's got good defense. Although he can be caught with punches before. I think he, he got rocked uh, versus uh, Barbarina with a big left hand. He got dropped. And that fight versus Barbarina was really his... Uh, probably one of his worst performances in the UFC. Although he did come back in the 14th minute of the and 30 seconds in and pull off that crazy, crazy comeback knockout. Uh, I'll give it to him. You know, he dug deep in the necessary moments. He realized Barbarina was fading a little bit, and he capitalized and got the knockout after losing that fight. He was uh, winning early versus Barbarina. Then he uh, he was landing big shots, but Barbarina was able to come back, drop him. Uh, he recovered right away and almost he took uh, Barbarina's back and almost rear naked choked him right away. But Barbarina escaped and started landing some ground and pound, probably edged round one. And, you know, maybe the judges gave it to Luque because he was winning the round early. He threatened with a few submissions, but Barbarina really landed the most devastating punches of the round. Rounds two and three, Barbarina was outstriking Luque, outvoluming him and just throwing some pitter-patter shots and just staying in his face and throwing a ton of volume of strikes and was outstriking him in rounds two and three. He was on his way to winning a decision at least 29-28, and then Luque comes back with that huge knockout. So it was a crazy fight. Um, Luque does make mistakes though. He has been caught with punches before. He's been dropped. He in his fight versus Derek Kranz, he started off, got hit with a few uh, punches, and got his back taken. He just has a tendency to make some some silly mistakes in the octagon. So it's gonna be tough to not make a mistake versus Mike Perry for 15 minutes and maybe get his own chin uh, touched versus Perry because Perry's got good power, solid boxing. He's always improving and I think that he can possibly touch the chin of Luke and uh, finish him in this spot. But I do agree that with Luke being the favorite, I think that he's the better, uh, more technical striker on the feet. He also is the better grappler on the ground. He's got six emissions. Not really the the most likely guy to offensive wrestle, but you never know. Uh, how this fight could end up on the floor uh perry actually tends to offensive wrestle a lot despite him not being too talented on the ground it's kind of one of his mistakes that he makes he also is a little tentative at times mike perry uh he looks to counter too much and uh he's a bit hittable on the feet versus cowboy Oliveira was hitting him with some big shots he's his defense is not the best so perry is the more flawed fighter of the two despite luke having his flaws as well with making some some simple mistakes in there so i think luke should be able to uh out technique um perry on the feet be able to avoid that big power punch of perry possibly even knock out perry because perry's been rocked before by max griffin and Really, where I think that Luke will have the biggest advantage in this feat uh, or in this fight is on the ground because he's got great submissions and he sh- could very well pos- very well possibly submit Mike Perry in this fight. So uh, I capped this fight closer to where the uh, opening line was set around Luke a minus one seventy, Perry plus one fifty. So there is a slight bit of value on Mike Perry at plus. 170 180 190 wherever he's been the past few days and you know it's always fun to bet on perry he'll fight for your money he's a fan favorite a very likable guy and it's uh, a, a slightly winnable fight for him too so the pick is going to be luke um, but where the betting is at right now it's going to be a dog or pass situation probably a value bet situation on mike perry so a uh, pick is uh, luke to get it done by finish that's the way the guy wins the last fight of the evening the main event 
for the Women's Flyweight Championship. Champion Valentina Shevchenko, who is 17-3, taking on Liz Carmouche, who is 13-6. The opening betting line for this one, Shevchenko, minus 600, Carmouche, plus 400. We are now seeing Shevchenko, minus 1,300, Carmouche, plus 850. So... A lot of action coming in on Shevchenko's way. She opened up with about an 86% implied prob probability, and she now stands at around 93%. So not that much of a difference in percentage, but still a lot of action coming in from minus 600 to minus 1300 in this one. And this matchup is pretty simple because Shevchenko is in her prime right now. She is probably the number two best women woman fighter of all time. Her skills are just uh, unparalleled in the division right now. And Carmouche, although she's a very capable fighter, she's uh, you know had a great career. She's a veteran in the game, and she actually has a win over Valentina Shevchenko about nine years ago. I just think that her best days are behind her, and she is not going to have anything to come to come in here to really threaten Shevchenko now. There is the the narrative that Carmouche has this victory over Shevchenko, and she. I've, I, it's not really a narrative because I believe it. She will come into this fight a lot more confident than most other women who fight Valentina do. Besides Amanda Nunes, every woman who fights Valentina Shevchenko knows that they're taking on one of the best female fighters of all time. They know that she, her, her incredible record, incredible skills, and uh, especially with the way she finishes people, the way she knocked out Jessica I, you know, a brutal, brutal head kick knockout. Had her unconscious for three or four minutes. So... You know, Carmouche could be could I could be bullshit, and I could Carmouche could be terrified to fight Shevchenko in this one because Shevchenko is such a killer now, or she could be slightly confident, saying, "Hey, I beat this girl already." She, you know, she sure she's gotten better in the past nine years, but I beat her already. I think I can do it again, and I think that that alone will give her a little more confidence and will you know show in her performance. She's not going to be scared of Shevchenko like a lot of other women are, so. Getting down to the matchup in this one, Carmouche is a you know a short, stocky, thicker girl. She's got good wrestling, good top pressure. Uh, she's can threaten with a submission, can threaten with some ground and pound, but not really. She's more of a position type of girl. She's got good fight IQ because she's been in MMA for so long, you know, decades now, and she has a great way of you know grinding out fights, taking opponents down, and she did that to pretty decent female uh, flyweights like Caitlin Chukagian and Jennifer Maya. Those are, I believe, top five ranked flyweights right now, and she beat Pudilova. Uh, she's got some good wins over flyweights, uh, even though some of those wins might have come at uh, bantamweight. Who knows? So even though Carmouche isn't on the best win streak, I think she's only won really one fight in a row, um, she's still a very legitimate opponent for Shevchenko because there's not very women in the division right now who uh, are capable of fighting for the title. She's actually coming off two wins in a row over Maya and Pudilova. Her most recent loss was to uh, Alexis Davis. So she's 4-1 and one in her past five fights. Uh, I'd say that she deserves to fight for the title. Uh, probably more than Jessica I did, honestly. So I think this fight will be a lot more competitive than the I fight. I think the Carmouche um, will 
will actually get Shevchenko down, maybe once, uh, possibly twice. But I think Shevchenko will quickly get up. She will threaten with the submission off her back and get this fight back to the feet, maybe even submit uh, Karmouche on the ground. She might even, you know, she's so fucking good, she could put Karmouche on her back and keep her there because women have done that before. Alexis Davis did that, so I'm confident that Shevchenko can do that if she wants to. But Shevchenko is going to have the biggest advantage on the feet in this one. She's just an incredible kickboxer, fights mostly southpaws, got wicked fast kicks, got good boxing, counter punching. She used that great in the Holly Holm fight. She's got great distance control, spinning back kicks. She's just an elite martial artist, good takedowns, black belt in judo, uh, experienced in Muay Thai, black belt in jiu-jitsu. You know, her, her accolades go on and on and on. Easily the top three best female fighters of all time. So, I expect Carmouche to bring the fight. I expect her to possibly get Shevchenko down once to maybe even win a round versus Shevchenko. But as the fight goes on, I think Shevchenko stuffs his takedowns, threatened with submissions to get off her back, maybe even submits Carmouche, and proceeds to just clearly outstrike Carmouche, maybe even get top position to start winning rounds, and maybe even get a late finish versus Shevchenko. So not that much analysis needs to go into this one uh, because I, you know, I know these women well. I've seen the fight. I know their styles, and I just know how this matchup will go uh or i i have an accurate predictor of how it will go but where the line is at now i think that it's it's honestly worth the value bet on carmouche you know plus 850 we're talking you know shevchenko is human you know she's an incredible martial artist and but she's fighting a legitimate opponent who deserves to be in there unlike jessica i who was coming off of three shoddy wins uh who lost her most recent fight to chukagan and got gifted the title shot carmouche is coming off off of legit wins four and one in her past five over good competition she's got that win in the past she's got actually a style that could possibly give problems to shevchenko because shevchenko the only way i see people beating her is putting her on her back and keeping her there with crazy top pressure like a girl like suarez or something like that with just a crazy wrestler crazy top position just putting shevchenko down and not letting her get up because you can't beat shevchenko any other way besides catching her with some fluke punch knockout on the feet it's going to be incredibly difficult to uh, to beat Shevchenko but Carmouche has the style to do it I don't I don't think that she will get it done but I think that she will win one round so I the pick is going to be Shevchenko to get it done by 49-46 decision and you know you want to stab uh, you know a, a quarter unit a third of a unit half a unit on Carmouche I don't knock it at all because Plus 850 is a little bit wide for this matchup. I think that uh, Shevchenko's chances are of winning her around 88, 90%. So give a little respect to Carmouche. She's a veteran. She deserves to be in there. I'm glad that they're giving her this title shot. It's a great chance for the UFC to put their belts on ESPN+. Plus. It's a great chance for Shevchenko to fight in South America, close to her adopted home of Peru. And it's a, a great uh, title fight. I'm looking forward to the fight. I'm looking forward to the entire card. It's got 13 good matchups on it. And uh, I gave you my bets for the card. You got a value bet on Perry at plus 190. Uh, we have a bet on Rodolfo Vieira, 1.7 units at uh, minus 170 with a 0.67 play on his submission line at minus 140. Bobby Moffitt, 0.67 unit at plus 170. Uh, I and the play on Tisha Torres have not made it yet, though. It'll probably be a two-unit play if I decide to pull the trigger. Uh, Piva, one unit, minus 101. Gutierrez, two units, plus 120. 
Uh, Gilbert Burns, one unit plus 120, and Poliana Viana, one unit plus 110. Might even add more to Viana, although I probably won't because it's just such a close fight, a low-level women's fight. I could not put more than one unit on it, to be honest. So those are the bets for the card. Uh, no DraftKings on this card because I just haven't had a chance to look at it yet, so I won't give my thoughts on that. But this has been Episode 71, the UFC Montevideo analysis prediction and betting discussion so i hope you all enjoyed this episode and i will see you all next week before ufc 241 peace